Welcome to Season 2 of the Esthetician Hub Podcast, where we dive deeper into the world of skincare and wellness. I'm your host and licensed holistic medical esthetician, Vanessa, and in this season, I'm excited to bring you even more insightful conversations with some of the most inspiring estheticians, beauty entrepreneurs, and wellness gurus in the industry. From discussing the latest skincare trends to exploring the challenges and rewards of entrepreneurship, we'll cover it all. So sit back, relax, and let's get glowing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode on the Esthetician Hub. Today, we are going to be busting myths and misconceptions about the skincare industry. I have a very special guest joining us today. Her name is Dr. Bawachi, and she is a board-certified dermatologist who's been in practice for over 15 years now. Um, she's also an author and the co-founder of Carité Skincare. And guys, that's not all. She's also the wizard behind the curtains of superstar skincare lines like Naomi Osaka's Kinlo, Gabrielle and Dwayne Wade's Proudly, and John Legend's Loved One. So. Hello, Dr. Boachi, and welcome to the Esthetician Hub. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Vanessa. Of course, <laughs> it's such a pleasure to have you on here. So we'll jump right in. We'll go ahead and get started. Could you share a little bit um, of information about your background, about yourself, and how you actually started in dermatology? Sure. So I'm Dr. Nana Bawachi. I'm a board-certified dermatologist, and I have a brick-and-mortar practice in New Jersey. However, I do see multiple patients around the U.S. because I have a, a virtual practice. And I call myself a lifestyle dermatologist because I love to educate my patients about how lifestyle impacts their skin. I'm mm -hmm. really big on education. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And what specifically about dermatology did you like? Oh, for sure. So my, it's interesting, my background, I'm Ghanaian. Um, my parents were both doctors. My mom's a pediatrician, my dad's an OBGYN. And so it was just in my blood. I knew that um, I wanted to be, actually, it's funny, when I was six, I told my dad I wanted to be an artist. And he was like, uh, no, you need to choose again. <laughs> I always yeah. tell this story because as African parents, you could either be an accountant, a lawyer, or a doctor. So yeah. I was like, all right, if you guys are doctors, I'll just be a doctor. Yeah. Um, but fast forward, what I love about dermatology is I get to use a lot of artistic work, you know, because um, I do a little bit of some aesthetics. Um, and so I get to see the artistry behind that. But I also love the medical aspect of dermatology. Yeah, no, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because even for me as an Asian mom, um, she was always like, get into the medical field, become a doctor. Like all my cousins are dermatologists and I'm here like, yeah, no, um, <laughs> we'll stick with the esthetician. We'll do something in skincare. But honestly, I did study in nursing as well. And yeah. it's funny enough because when I first started my schooling, I was actually planning on becoming a doctor, but then I realized it just wasn't for me. And honestly, it just isn't for some people. Mm. Uh, but I'm very happy that you pursued it. And I'm very happy with everything that you have achieved so far. That's actually oh. amazing. Um, thank you. Thank you. And also for you. I mean, you know, we are as estheticians and germs, we work hand in hand together. Yes. And we, you know, it's important to educate our patients from the aesthetic point of view, as well as from the dermatology point of view, because yes. that partnership together just makes the individual so much better. Yes, 100%. Actually, for those listening, could you differentiate what the difference is between dermatology and aesthetics? So like practicing as an esthetician. 
Yeah. So for dermatologists, you know, we are studying, these are medical conditions that are, that occur and then you use prescriptions to help um, control those medical conditions. So for instance, if we take acne, acne is a very common condition that we see in teens. We actually see it in babies and we also see it in adults. And it just has this huge psychological impact on everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, and there are a lot of triggers. And if you listen to your uh, most recent episode, you go into all of that, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there are certain prescriptions that you need from a physician um, that can help, whether it's a GP or whether it's a dermatologist. Mm-hmm. So as an MD, a medical doctor, we are able to provide those prescriptions in order to control those skin conditions. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I actually had this conversation with an esthetician on a different podcast episode. And I think it's very important for us estheticians as well to know when to refer to a dermatologist. Because I think a lot of times, um, you know, we get into our practice a little too much and then we think we can, you know, solve all of these problems. But sometimes, and you know what, like I wouldn't suggest this as the first line, but sometimes you definitely need to have some sort of medication that comes with it. And you have to definitely go see a dermatologist in some cases. So, um, hundred percent, if you are listening out there and you're an esthetician, you definitely have to know when it's time to refer to a dermatologist and know when it's time to practice doing things on your own as well. Um, so today's episode is all about skincare and debunking skincare myths. So what is the number one or most common, let's say skincare myth that you've seen across your practice all the time? Um, you know, I have a very diverse uh, uh, practice where yeah. I see um, skin, skin types one through six. And for my deeper skin tones, they are always shocked about, oh, I have to, why do I have to wear sunscreen? And so that is one myth that we are always debunking all the time. And we're talking the importance about wearing sunscreen um, and wearing an SPF between 30 to 50. That's what the um, American Academy of Dermatology recommend. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go a little bit higher, go for it. But in terms of when it comes to uh, the efficacy, it's relatively all around the same between an SPF of 50 to an SPF of 70. And, you know, skin cancer does occur in darker skin tones. Uh, Case in point, I just recently, I got a a text from a friend of mine who's Indian and she's like, hey, my dad was just diagnosed with a basal cell carcinoma on his scalp and we know what are the next steps. And this is common. And I just recently took care of someone who, um, African-American, who has a basal cell on the scalp. Hey, there's a little bit of a trend going on. So yeah, yeah, it it does happen. And so we have to take that protection. And, you know, it's not always about the SPF. It's also about being sun smart. You should be wearing hats and the protective clothing. You should go and see um, a dermatologist so you could perform a skin check. If you're going to your esthetician, the esthetician should also look at the skin as well and say, hey, you know what? That looks a little funny. Perhaps you need to go see your dermatologist and get that checked even more so. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And um, so let's talk a little bit more about sunscreen because I think um, we've all seen that viral Kim Kardashian post. I don't know if you saw it. Yes. um, Posting about her tanning beds. And it's funny to me because I feel like many people believe that tanning beds are a safer alternative to natural sunlight. Could you discuss a little bit about the dangers associated with this tanning bed and why this myth just keeps on persisting over the years. 
you know, I love Kim Kardashian. She's a smart businesswoman, you yeah. know, and she's such, she's so amazing. But that video where she went from the tanning bed to the red light bed, I was like, girl, what's the point of having the two right next to each other? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's get into the tanning bed. So tanning beds are basically UVA and UVB. And I think we have to backtrack a little bit. So let's just talk about the sun. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the sun, well, don't look at the sun. When you, the sun rays, right, um, are all radiation. Yeah, that's all it is. And they're broken down into ultraviolet light as well as visible light and infrared light. So when you look at ultraviolet light, you have UVC that gets stopped by the ozone. Then what comes down to earth is UVB and then UVA. Mm -hmm. So in tanning beds, you have mostly UVA. And whenever you think about the A, that's more for aging, aging of the skin. Okay. Whereas UVB is more for the burns. And so tanning beds are mostly UVA. And because UVAs are causing what we call oxidative stress, so they're causing stress on your skin. And in the skin, because you're having all the stress, that means there's a, um, a strong possibility of DNA mutations. It's affecting the immune system in the skin. It's affecting, it's actually causing more inflammation. So that is why tanning beds are just a bad, it's just bad. Just bad. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how about natural sunlight? Because I also see this other side on social media and a lot of people mm-hmm. talk about how getting natural sunlight to a certain degree is actually healthy for you. For sure. For sure. And I the and and it is true. Yeah, getting a little natural sunlight is healthy. However, the problem is people don't just go to the extremes. They yeah. just stand outside and they're just not protected. So I think you could go ahead and get that natural sunlight with protection, right? Because you have to understand SPF is not going to be a hundred percent effective, right? You have yeah. to take on you know, those other measures of like being under the shade and so forth. So if you're outside and you're getting a small dose of sunlight, but you're still wearing your sunglasses, you still have your SPF on and your protective clothing, you're still getting that reflection. You're still feeling good because that's really what we want. We want that sunlight to make us feel good. Yeah. You have a little exposure, so you'll get um, you'll get a little bit of some vitamin D activity and you can always supplement with uh, vitamin D through your foods. Uh, but it's all you have to take in small doses just because you don't want those mutations which could potentially lead to skin cancer. Yeah. And how can people sort of differentiate when is it enough to take natural sunlight? So how do you know when to stop? Yeah. I, you know, I think you should just put a timer on, to be honest with you. You Yeah. Like if you're outside, (laughs) because just even a little bit, you know, and, you know, could cause damage. So I would just say, you know what, I'm just going outside, you know, I'm going to stand maybe under a tree I'm going to stand under an umbrella, mm-hmm. but just the warmth of the um, radiation feels good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's already giving me that um, response to my brain that I'm feeling good. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Five minutes, good. 10 minutes. <laughs> right. And obviously like do not go under the sun when it's peak heating time. Yes. So like, let's say you're in an island, it's 12 PM and that's exactly when the sunlight is hitting. Don't stand outside and just go unprotected either. Like Correct. you have to go at certain times as well. Yes. Um, yes. So I know that for some people, SPF levels in sunscreen is kind of confusing. Could you mm-hmm. debunk the myth that higher SPF provides all day protection or how does it work exactly? Yeah. So SPF is only measuring UVB and we were just talking about UVA. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to SPF, you really want to make sure like one shot glass actually covers your entire body 
And normally on social media, you'll see us dermatologists saying two finger lengths will cover your face, your ears, as well as your neck. Ideally, when it comes to SPF, you want to make sure you're reapplying every two hours to any sun-exposed areas. Mm, okay, yeah. that's a so good that's thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we always recommend that as well, especially if you're going to be going out in the sun. You know, you're at the beach, you're going to be going swimming. Very important to reapply it consistently because I know some people they go out in a day, they put their sunscreen, and they're like, "Okay, I'm good." Actually, not. You got to reapply your sunscreen if you really want it to protect you all day. That is correct. Um, and even when you jump in the water, reapply. When you're sweating, like if you were playing like an intense um, game of volleyball, and mm-hmm. if it's not a waterproof or sweatproof sunscreen, you got to reapply as well. Mm-hmm. So what are other skincare myths that you think are very important for our listeners to be aware of? Uh, you know, like a, for instance, a 12 step skincare, <laughs> you um, don't need it. <laughs> yes. It's funny. I have a teen, a tween right now who mm-hmm. spends about 45 minutes doing her skincare routine. I don't even know what she's doing, but she's just layering all these moisturizers on top of a moisturizer. And my, and my daughter, her name is Stella. And I say, Stella, you don't need that. You just need, you know, a gentle cleanser yeah. and a moisturizer and sunscreen. That is it at yeah. this age and even that's all I, I only spend like three minutes with my skincare routine I'm just washing moisturizing and then putting on you know a, a sunscreen in the morning at yeah. nighttime maybe I'll go ahead and put some actives on just because I have to treat my I have some melasma and so forth mm-hmm. but um I think it's just try to be simple but also be intentional about yeah. your skincare routine yeah no I completely agree with you especially if you're a tween If you're under the age of 18, you really do not need much in terms of serums and everything like that because your skin is already good. Like you're producing enough collagen. You don't need to put on these anti-aging serums like retinols or vitamin Cs or anything like that. Um, But like you said, a cleanser, a moisturizer, an SPF, that is completely okay. And I know online there's a lot of young people, especially at the age of like 11, 12, that are going to go and purchase a bunch of these skincare products. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, you don't need that. When I was younger, I literally had nothing on my skin. I was, I was lucky if I actually put a moisturizer on my skin, but that's pretty much (laughs) as far as it went. Um, honestly, but you know what? I'm very happy though, that a lot of people, it just comes to show that a lot of people are becoming more knowledgeable Correct. About the skincare industry, you know, them understanding that, hey, I actually have to take care of my skin, uh, but not at that age, a little bit mm-hmm. older. That's fine. Um, I was going to say, though, there are multiple different myths that I've seen out there. Would you say that, let's say, for example, the people who have very oily skin, that don't need a moisturizer. Could you explain why this is a misconception? Because I feel like I've seen that all the time. Yeah, that's it. That's a, a good one as well, because a lot of oily patients who come in, especially if they're acne prone, like, oh, I don't need a moisturizer, but everybody needs a moisturizer. And yeah. be and you may, there's different types of moisturizers. Perhaps you don't need a heavy moisturizer, but you can, oily patients can use a light moisturizer. And the reason why we want a moisturizer is just to protect our barrier. Yeah. Our barrier is constantly losing water. So for those of you who don't know what barrier is, that's just your skin. And so it's always evaporating water. So we want to seal or trap in that water so that our skin stays moisturized. So for those who are oily, 
You always just want a light one. For those who tend to be dry, like moi, I always call my skin like the Sahara Desert. I need a <laughs> heavier moisturizer. <laughs> yeah, same here. And especially being in a cold country, like I am mm-hmm. in Canada, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you have your heater going on inside and then you go to your car again, your heater is on and then you go outside and there's just this lack of humidity in the air. So your skin is just constantly on this dry mode and already yes. off the top, my, my skin is is dry to begin with. So mm-hmm. definitely important to moisturize and to also moisturize twice a day if you need it. I know that Absolutely. there are some people who do definitely need to moisturize um, more in a day. Um, so I know that there's a lot of people as well who talk about natural ingredients. And I actually wanted you to shed a little bit of light on this because natural ingredients definitely are good for the skin, but could you explain when natural ingredients can be beneficial and when they might not? Yeah. I mean, if you look at a lot of products uh, nowadays, there are a lot of natural ingredients incorporated into the formulation. For instance, my sisters and I, we have um, a a shea butter-based skincare line called Carite, as you alluded to before. And so we take shea butter from Ghana and we mix it with other botanicals. And a lot of natural ingredients have are anti-inflammatory. They're full of antioxidants. They make your skin nice and supple and radiant. However, sometimes natural ingredients can be irritating. And so you have to be very careful as to how much you're putting on, um, you know, when you're putting it on, you know, there's, there's a science behind everything. And so it's it, um, actually, I get cringed out sometimes when I'm watching some of these TikToks and Instagrams where people are just taking these natural ingredients and smearing it all over their face. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh, you're going to develop a God. rash. Yeah. For instance, uh, the other day I had to debunk where there was a hairstylist who took an orange peel and said, when you rub an orange peel on your edges, yeah. it's going to grow your edges. And this is an affordable way of doing it. And I'm thinking, girl, you know what? You call it, you want all these people, one, they're not going to have edges. And number two, <laughs> let's not talk about affordable. Now you've cost all these people a lot of people, uh, a lot of money because they have to come to the dermatologist and get their edges all fixed. And they have hyperpigmentation because they went out into the sun because of the phytophotodermatitis. Oh so my God. it's, again, it's constant education. Yeah, no, exactly. And you know what? I feel like I've seen a lot of people do those like DIY face masks where they're just rubbing banana peels or rubbing potato peels onto their skin thinking that it is going to do something. Or, But in reality, at the end of the day, we have these medical grade skincare brands for a reason because they have been studied, because they have been formulated and proven that it actually works. If honestly, a banana peel solves the whole entire, I don't know, like (laughs) if the banana peel really does solve all types of skincare issues, then I don't even think dermatology or being an esthetician or just this realm of medicine would even exist. If it was that easy, honestly. If it was that easy, exactly. Yeah. Um, So speaking of medical grade brands, I actually wanted to hear your take on the different levels of skincare because sometimes when people are purchasing um, skincare brands, they're a little bit confused between the difference of like OTC brands, professional grade brands, and then medical grade brands. Could you explain a little bit the difference? uh, What would you recommend? Yeah. So, you know, it all depends on sometimes with medical grade brands, uh, it, there's been a lot of clinical research that yes. has been performed on it. And therefore you can only get it at, uh, the, 
they're only dispensed at physician's offices or perhaps maybe even at an esthetician office. Whereas sometimes with the OTC, there, um, there haven't been a lot of clinical, uh, clinical studies uh, performed on the over-the-counter products. So that's usually the nuance. However, sometimes, you know, if you're taking like a sunscreen and they say like a, there's a sunscreen that most sunscreens are over-the-counter. Yeah. And then some, sometimes there's some vendors that might say the sunscreen is only for or medical grade, for instance. Mm-hmm. But in all in all, there's really no difference between those two, right? Because the filters are all the same, um, unless there's some active ingredient in the formulation that might be completely different. Maybe yeah. there there might be that nuance there. So I think when it comes to determining between medical grade versus something over the counter, you really just have to go to the website, look around, see what's offered there and determine like whether that's best for you. And if you can't figure that out on your own, then it's just best to just talk to your esthetician or your dermatologist to see that's the best product for your condition. Mm -hmm. And for people dealing with, let's say like acne, would you recommend them going for a more medical grade brand or more OTC brand? Well, it depends on what part of acne that we're trying to treat, right? So if you're looking for just barrier health, you can find a lot of things over the counter, you know, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Um, and But maybe it comes down to the formulation, like you're looking for things like spicerabides and maybe some niacinamide. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking for... Um, in, in, within the medical grade, maybe there's a particular um, ingredient that you're looking for. And I'm just blanking on something that would be medical grade that's in the acne formulation right now. But maybe, for instance, if there's a line that's medical grade, they may have some actives that you just can't find over the counter. So, for instance, mm. sulfur you can find over the counter, but maybe it's a percentage of sulfur. And then that would be in that medical grade brand that could help you with your acne because it all comes down to the percentage of that ingredient. So actually, let's go, for instance, let's take azelaic acid. So azelaic acid is a very common ingredient that you can find over the counter Mm -hmm. um, and it helps with hyperpigmentation, but you could also find um, medical grade and even prescription strength. It all depends on the dose. So if the dose is like above 10%, for instance, then we're starting to look at more medical grade, Mm -hmm. but then even at a prescription level, it's at 15 and then also at um, 20%. Right, exactly. And for those listening out there, if ever you do want to know the difference, just go to your local esthetician, go to your local dermatology, and we'll definitely recommend which is better for your skin type. Correct. Um, All right. So do you have any other skincare myths that you wanted to share, that you wanted to debunk, that you've seen online that you're like, I really have to put this out there for people to know? (laughs) Um, you know, I, like I alluded to was the orange one and then also the SPF wearing as everyone should wear SPF all the time. Doesn't matter. Even if it's snowing, we have a snowstorm right now. And, you know, I put on my SPF. I think also when people are thinking about, um, like I saw like flaxseed for, uh, Botox the other day, you know, it's just like, if you put flaxseed on, it's going to work just as well as Botox. You're like, people how is that flaxseed supposed to get down to the muscle let's stop right there i didn't even see that but that doesn't make sense to me but okay yeah oh my god yeah there's just so much out there sometimes it's just exhausting because you're like oh i can't put out another video i'm just tired yeah no i know and honestly going back to what you said earlier as well with the 12 step skincare a lot of people might think more is better and that is a common belief when it comes to skincare products but Mm -hmm. in reality 
using excessive products can actually be very harmful for your skin. And I've seen this a lot for a lot of clients. Um, They're like, oh, why am I getting acne? Why am I getting these random breakouts? And then I'm like, okay, tell me a little bit about your skincare routine, your products. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what are you doing? It's just this 12-step skincare routine. And they have probably like four or five different actives thinking that more is more, uh, more is better. So could you just explain or share as to why sometimes a simple skincare can actually be more beneficial for your skin? Yeah. So I think you have to think about what the skin needs. And so if we're taking someone who has acne, for instance, we need to improve their barrier health because their barrier health is compromised. It's inflamed. It's angry. So we need to cool it down. However, we also need actives that can help with the pillars of acne. So we have a bacteria issue. So we need something that can help with the bacteria. We have an inflammatory issue. So we need something that can help with inflammation. Sometimes we have a hormonal issue. So we need to go ahead and help with the hormonal um, imbalance in the, in the skin. And that may have to come up, um, go through, may have to take something systemically. Yeah. In addition to that, it's not just always about skincare, guys. You know, this is why we have to think about everything more holistically. We need to think about what you're eating every day. We need to think about your environment. We need to think about your stress levels. Are you exercising? Are you sleeping? All of those um, pillars I just alluded to all impact your skin. So your 12-step skincare routine is not going to fix the issue. And the last thing I want to say is that y'all are not patient. (laughs) You think that... (laughs) Yeah. You think I'm going to buy seven products... And then in two weeks, I'm supposed to have this glowy, dewy skin, which, oh, that's the other myth we have to talk about, Vanessa. All these people who say this glass skin, you know, they put just oil on their face before they got on camera. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) No, honestly, I've seen so many videos and actually I want to refer to Korean skincare because I think the, the, this 12 step, this 10 step skincare routine actually stems from this Korean skincare routine. And, um, a lot of people that refer to glass skin is, is usually because they've seen these videos online of people that really just put oil. I don't know what they're doing across their skin, but in reality, that is not what skin even looks like. At the end of the day, no matter how well or how healthy your skin is, pores will still exist. You know, as much as you, you're going to try and shrink your pores to the maximum, like your pores are still going to be there, you know? So, Mm -hmm. and it's normal to have texture in your skin as well. I think the goal shouldn't be to have this perfect glass skin where there's absolutely nothing on your skin. It should just be healthy skin. So as long as, you know, you yourself, like you said, you have your stress levels checked in, um, you're working out, you're eating well, clean diet, and all should be fine. Even if you get a pimple here and there, and honestly, I'm pretty sure you get pimples here and there. I'm pretty sure I get pimples here and there. You know, it's completely normal. Uh, But as long as you have a good, sustainable skincare routine, that is what matters. Um, But I wanted to mention again for the Korean skincare routine, I know that there's a lot of people who try and do that, thinking that it is going to help clear their skin. It honestly might work for some because I've seen people that yes, it did work for their skin, but in general, the amount of products that you use isn't what's going to solve the skin issue. It's really about 
the formulation of your products. Again, like the percentage that we were talking about as well. Um, so just because you're putting, I don't know, like three different actives, it doesn't mean that it's going to be better than just one actives. And sometimes your skin might actually only need one active in order for it to regulate itself. Um, so again, very important to just do consultations with your doctor, do consultations with your esthetician, um, and then see what works best for you. And I have a question for you. So I know there's a lot of people out there or listeners in general who are just struggling to find the right skincare routine with all of these myths, all of these conflicting information online. What advice would you give to them? I know that um, dermatologists and even estheticians are not always accessible, and sometimes it's yeah. not, they're not always affordable. However, there are a lot of virtual options. I would, you know, initially, because you don't want to waste your time or money, buying all those skincare uh, products are very expensive. And then also your time, you don't realize putting, you know, the time in, there's a cost to that as well. So if you think about it, it actually behooves you to make that appointment with an SD, with a dermy, or you can even do it virtually just so you save money in the end. Yeah. Because what you may think is what you need because you were influenced by product X, and you actually may need product Y and W rather than product X. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So as a dermatologist, what role do you think education and awareness plays in combating skincare myths and then promoting healthy skincare practices? I think as derms, we are almost like the gatekeepers to um, a lot of medical conditions because we see the rash before we are able, before a lot of other people. So I will have someone who comes in for a skin check and I all of a sudden I see some yellowing on their eyelids and I could say, hey, by the way, when was the last time you saw your primary care doctor? Yeah. And they'll say, oh, it's been about maybe two years or so forth because of COVID, everything just has been delayed. And I would say, you know, I think you need to go check your cholesterol because I'm seeing some yellowing on your eyelids and that's a sign of what we call xanthalasma. So as a dermatologist, we get to see the rash and that's like, a, it gives us an idea of what's going on internally. And that's like, that's what I, I'm a visual learner and I love that about dermatology. Sometimes I'll be walking in the grocery store. I'm like, oh, that person has this. Oh, that person has that, but I can't say anything. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's amazing though, that you guys can definitely like look at someone and you know what, that's, what's amazing about the human body as well. And that goes with all types of skin conditions because someone is dealing with a certain skin condition or a certain something that you can notice that's irregular on the skin, it actually signifies that something's going on on the inside. Yes. So let's yes. say, for example, people who are dealing with acne, a lot of people are like, oh my goodness, why me? Why me? Like, why is this happening? But in reality, that's, it's, it's like a blessing in disguise because your body is literally signaling like, hey, something's going on inside. Can you please Correct. verify the root cause of why this is all happening? Um, Absolutely. Could you share actually some success stories in your practice where debunking mix has actually made a significant impact on your patient's skin health and their confidence as well? 
For sure. I mean, we're still um, we're talking about acne, and I get patients who's who have stated, "Oh, I've tried a plethora of products. Yeah. I've been to several dermatologists, and um, sometimes things get missed because perhaps maybe um, the dermatologist was busy or they didn't ask the right questions." But mm. you know, for females, we're seeing like this rise of hormonal acne in females, and there are quite a few patients who actually have PCOS. And so when we start to do a deep dive into PCOS um, and talking about uh, their ovulation history and their uh, menstrual history, and then talking about maybe they have what we call hirsutism, which is like hair on their chin and sometimes in other areas of the body, it's not just about the skincare products that you're purchasing at Sephora. We need to think, we need to do a deeper dive. And then we also need to talk about lifestyle because when you start changing your lifestyle, especially when we're talking about acne, you can see that your acne will definitely improve. Yeah. And actually I do want to mention something because I've also seen a surge in a lot of acne clients recently, especially with women. Um, What might you think the cause may be of that? Uh, Definitely hormonal and then stress. Stress, yeah. stress, stress. I think we are living in a time, in a very anxiety riddled period of our lives. We just got off COVID, and COVID is still around. We have wars. Yeah. People are just. We have a, a presidential election going on in the United States. Yeah. Um, it's just a very stressful time, um, and so it. I think that's why we're seeing this impact on our skin at this point. As you mentioned earlier, your skin is um, a barometer, you know, of yeah. what's going on internally, yeah. and you don't realize how stress can impact it. And and so many p- patients are anxious. I mean, right now, if you take a history as to what medications you're on, there's so many patients who are on a lot of anti-anxiety medications, mm-hmm. lots of antidepressive medications. Yeah. So people are are going through a lot of stress, which is impacting their skin. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned stress because I think a lot of people just kind of throw it under the rug. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm stressed. But they actually don't realize the effect of stress on the body and how this can actually lead to multiple different health conditions in the future. So what is it about stress and um, like, let's say the high cortisol levels that makes it makes induced that you're going to have certain skin conditions or certain like problems with your health. Sure. When So when you're stressed, as you mentioned, you have an increase in your cortisol levels. And because you have an increase in your cortisol levels, then there's an increase in this inflammation, inflammatory response in your skin, in your gut. And mm-hmm. therefore, there's what we call this dysbiosis. So things are just going awry right now. And because there's this increase of inf- inflammatory markers, that's when it triggers your acne, it worsens your eczema, it worsens your psoriasis. So this is why we're always talking about stress management and ways of managing your stress levels is definitely by what you're feeding your body, um, by exercising, because exercise decreases your cortisol levels. Mm -hmm. And then also sleep, something that um, we haven't talked about yet is just sleeping. A lot of people are not sleeping because they're scrolling on their phones. And if you're not sleeping, your cortisol levels are still elevated and your skin cannot rejuvenate and repair itself. So sleep is something that is very important. 
Yeah. And I'm actually happy that you did talk about the stress management techniques because I think this is exactly what I vouch for on this channel. And I always end this episode or I always end episodes talking about stress management techniques because I really want to emphasize that it is important for you to practice these techniques because let's face it, every single person feels stress in their lives, you know, and if you're not doing certain management techniques for it, it just means that you're pushing your stress under the rug and you're constantly doing this. You're, it's, it's going to be a constant action that you're doing and down the line, you might not realize it, but then you're going to start to see changes in your body, or you're going to start to see different things happening. And you're like, okay, why, why am I breathing faster now? Or why am I not able to take deep breaths anymore as before? Or why am I seeing certain skin conditions or whatever the case may be? Um, what sort of stress management techniques do you recommend? Because I always recommend like meditation, but something other than like breath work and meditation. Um, I'm really big on I mean, I'm a mom and I am a business owner and I, you know, I do consulting. So exercise is so good. I yeah. mean, I just, it feels wonderful. And if you could just do it like at least three to four times a week and you don't have to do it for that long, 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes is all you need. Mm -hmm. And I always say, just cycle through a little bit of, um, stretching and then also obviously aerobic activity. And then also resistance training is really important too. Yeah. Um, but prayer, you know, prayer is a fantastic way of um, diminishing stress levels. You already mentioned breath work. I do love breath work as well. Um, and just going and again, just going for walks and just knowing how to say, you know what, I'm going to take care of that tomorrow. Because, yeah. you know, tomorrow, you know, I know tomorrow is never guaranteed. But, you know, if you just can't handle it today, just say, you know what, I'll just take care of it tomorrow. Mm hmm. I love that you mentioned prayer because I think that's not spoken about as often. I think a lot of people, um, you know, again, like opt for the breath work, meditation, but they don't realize that just a simple prayer connects you with who, and honestly, you don't even have to be part of a certain religion. Like it's, it's really mm -hmm. up to you, whatever your belief system is, but just as long as you take that small moment of just talking to whoever your higher power might be mm -hmm. and just being thankful and putting yourself in the state of gratitude will really elevate your mind and it's going to shift your frequencies. You're going to be in this different realm, honestly, after you really do a thorough prayer, you do like this thorough gratification um, sort of prayer moment. So I definitely love that you mentioned that. Yes, yes. Um, you know, and when you when you realize that when you pray, you're calming yourself down. Yes. And when you calm yourself down, what happens? Cortisol goes down. You just like as you said, you just feel a lot better. Yeah. So prayer is great. And if you don't feel like praying because you feel like it's weird of some sort, and then journal it journaling, because you said right just writing it down, getting yeah. it all out there, getting all your aggressions out. Yeah, 100%. So um, for those out there who want to find some reliable sources or trusted sources of skincare information, what would you recommend, especially like online or maybe even a book someone can purchase? 
For sure. I mean, I always go to PubMed because that's all scientifically backed. So yeah. anytime I'm asked to do any kind of opportunity, I'm doing all my research first just to make sure there's science behind it. But there are a lot of dermatologists who have a really strong presence on social media who are always debunking myths. Someone called me the truth doctor the other day and I was just, <laughs> I just laughing. I was like, okay, I'll take, the, I'll take that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so I would think uh, if you are into... Uh, PubMed, you could do that. Uh, social media on YouTube, just go to the dermatology pages, and there are a lot of um, esthetician pages that are fantastic. Yeah. Um, if you want to get get really nerdy, you could get a dermatology book. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I have to even say some of the um, uh, allure and. Um, other uh, magazines out there, they do a pretty good job on like when they're talking about like the derm edits and the skin, the skin editions and so yeah. forth, because they are interviewing estheticians, dermatologists, and plastic surgeons. And yeah. there is a lot of science behind all of that. So I would look at those resources. Yeah, 100%. And to add on to what you said as well, like, I think books in general, just going to your local library and just looking at what books these doctors have written, because I know a lot of doctors who have written books, and um, they are, you know, best selling authors. And I think there's just a lot of information that you can find, not only online, but in actual books, because I think sometimes we forget that books exist, you know, so (laughs) I think it's, I think you guys, you know what, like, Online, you can find all types of different information. All the information is out there. However, I think just in a book, everything is so clear cut where you'll have your chapter one, you'll chapter two, and everything just follows through. Whereas sometimes Mm -hmm. online, it's just this whole mash of things. And you're like, okay, like I'm getting sources from 10 different places and I'm not sure exactly like what the real cause might be. So I think sometimes a good book can really just help you clear your mind as well and just to be more clear cut on what whatever topic you're learning about. I completely agree. Yeah, there are so many books. And sometimes when you go to these conferences, when they have a keynote speaker, they have their books there. And I always buy yeah. it just because there's such great resources um, yeah. of information. Yeah, 100%. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Boachi, for joining me today. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I definitely learned so many valuable things today. Uh, Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Dr. Boachi, would you like to tell our listeners today where they would be able to find you online? Sure. So thank you so much again for having me, Vanessa. It was a great conversation. You can find me at Dr. Nana Bawachi on Instagram, as Mm -hmm. well as on TikTok and also on YouTube. And also, if you want more information about about me and my practice, you can just go to drbawachi.com. Perfect. So I will definitely be linking all of your socials in the description box of this episode. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys once again and have an amazing day. Bye for now. Bye-bye. If you guys enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave a rating as this helps my podcast so, so much. And if you're located in the Montreal area, feel free to book a facial with me with the link in my bio on Instagram at skinwellness.studio. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And also make sure to download my free acne healing guide if you are on the road to healthier skin. On that note, I wish you all an amazing rest of your day and see you in the next episode.